Well, amen. Welcome again to Missio Church. My name is Jordan. I'm one of the elders uh, here, and it has been a long time since I've been with you all. I've only been in this room, I think, four times in the last four months, So, um, which is an interesting thing. In the last four months, I, because of the nature of my work, um, have done, uh, the nature of my work is global, for those of you who don't know me, um, and I totally understand that not a lot of you necessarily know me. But the nature of my work is global, so I spend 95% of my time working with men and women uh, around the world, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but, um, but I've done more local work because I've been home uh, over the last four months, and yet I've only stepped in this room four times, right? Like, we, we have a tendency to think of the church as just what happens in this room, and yet... Um, the church are a people, they're the people of God, right? And far more of what the church does is, uh, far more of what the church is called to be transpires outside of this room. We're grateful to gather together, just as Nate said a moment ago, to sing together, to pray together, to, 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 um, to come and read the scriptures together. But we are, we are the people of God, um, and, uh, and God has called us to be a people in the midst of a culture and in the midst of a place that is not our home, um, and to um, be his representatives in that place. And so, um, it's, uh, it's good to be back, but uh, at the same time, let's recognize and always remember Uh, who we are and what we're called to be. So anyway, with that, Colossians chapter two, verses one through seven. Uh, This is the word of the Lord. Paul says this, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father, we come in Jesus' name and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you've done. We thank you that we have the pleasure, have the honor, um, by your mercy, by your grace, by that which continues to astound us to be the people of God. We bring nothing to this party, Lord. Right? We are objects. We were objects of wrath, but now we are objects of mercy and of grace. And you have, because of what Christ has done, you have redeemed us to yourself. 
And now you are representing yourself in and through your people. And Lord, we pray as, as, as Paul writes even in this passage, we pray that we as your people would know Jesus, that we would know Christ, and that we would continue as we grow in a relationship with you through Jesus, that we would continue to be rooted and built up and that nothing would distract us from that which is what we were created for, to know you, to love you, and to serve you. Lord, we pray that you would build your people and that you would bring people into relationship with you here and throughout this community, throughout this state, throughout this nation, and throughout the world, Lord. Glorify yourself in your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, as we look at this uh, text, we can kind of break it up into three little sections here. Um, and this is kind of a transitionary um, uh, pericope in between where in chapter one, Paul is talking about the supremacy of Christ and now he begins to kind of um, uh, transition here with the Colossian believers. Again, this is a group of people uh, he has never himself met or been with. And, uh, um, and so he, he talks to them about some things that he wants, he, his concern for them. Uh, each of these things are concerns for them. Number one, that they'll know Christ. Number two, that they wouldn't be deceived. Number three, that they would continue to walk in, in Christ. And so we'll look at each of, those, uh, each of those things. He starts off in verses one through three. He says, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea, which is a, a neighboring city, right? We see, we see the church at Laodicea uh, uh, most clearly. Uh, this letter, the, the letter to the Colossians was most likely also given to the church at Laodicea, but we see the church of Laodicea also as one of the seven churches uh, that Jesus uh, has John write to in the book of Revelation. Um, so I want you to know the struggle, that, the, how great a struggle I have for you, for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me, he says face to face. So here he's talking about, about uh, men and women, boys and girls who are part of the body of Christ, people who in some form or fashion he has a burden for um, that are still people that he himself are not part of the churches that he's planted, not part of the ministry that he has undertaken. Again, I told you a few moments ago, the, work, the nature of the work that I do here um, uh, for Missio and for uh, the, our, our partners is global, all right? So most of the year, I'm traveling somewhere, right? So I've been, uh, I, I said this to my kids the other day, the, um, I have the most consecutive nights at home of, in my family, which is a weird thing. This is the first time in probably 10 years that I've spent more nights in my house than anyone else in my family. Um, but um, in January, uh, when we were all learning about the coronavirus, I had the coronavirus in China, right? Like, okay, a little sick, you know, worst, worst flu I've ever had, didn't know what it was, got a letter from the State Department sitting there thinking, how do they know where I am? And what is this thing that they're talking about? And I don't know what it is, right? Sitting in a, in a restaurant in China somewhere. But since then, other than a couple domestic things, I've been home, right? Just hanging out at home. And um, with four young people who I think are going to kill me before, before too long, right? Um, 
So if it happens, you can tell the police who the suspects are. There are four of them. Um, anyway. Um, and so the nature of my work is that I go around and I'm with people. But now I've had, to, like so many people, change the nature of what I do. I figure out a new way to continue to do the work that, that I do. And so, like, I've been on Zoom calls, which I hate. I don't know if anybody else hates a Zoom call. I hate a Zoom call. I've been on Zoom calls left and right. In the last month, I've done work in 13 countries that I've never been to, right? Countries that would have taken me years to probably get to because just in the nature of doing face-to-face -face work, you're not gonna get there. But man, we can squeeze you in this way. So learning a new way. And so as I've been reading through this book and thinking about that and doing this work, I'm thinking about this same thing. I was on a call in Pakistan a few weeks ago with these people in this area, and they're asking me, would, when this all comes, would you come to see us? And I'm looking it up on, the, uh, uh, on certain things, and it, the State Department is saying, don't, don't go, like, if you go there, make sure your will is in order, make sure all of your finances are in order, because you are not coming home. Please come, please, and it's like, sure, sure. So we'll figure out a way to come and see you, right? Like, but, but it's this burden that Paul had for people that even though he himself had not planted, right? When he hears about what is going on, when I'm looking at these faces, and I'm in no way equating myself with Paul, but, but man, there's a responsibility. All I wanna do is I'm looking at these people in this house gathered together. All I wanna see them do is know Jesus and grow in Jesus and represent Jesus to these communities that God has them in. And I'll do anything I can to help them, right? That's what Paul is talking about here. I want you to know the struggle I have for you. I mean, he's in jail and he's writing this. Like, it's not like he's like sitting somewhere comfortable. He's not sitting in the room that I'm sitting in on these Zoom calls, like saying to one of my kids, hey, can you bring me another cup of coffee while I'm having this conversation with these people? He's in jail and he's writing this. I want you to know the struggle that I have for you. I'd do anything to see Christ magnified in your midst. Right? That your hearts may be encouraged. That at the center of who you are as a person, right? At your very core, right? He's not talking about a heart the way we talk about a heart. Like, oh, oh follow your heart and that kind of garbage, right? But at the, at the, at the essence of who you are as a person, as a people, that, that Christ would encourage you in your sufferings and in the things that you're encountering, right? That you, that you, that you would be knit together in love, right? Again, not a, not a hippy-dippy idea here from, from like the 60s, but, but this idea of the fact that the only thing that unifies a people is the fact that Christ has loved us. And he has died for us. And his love for us unifies us. That is the thing that makes us a people. As Peter tells us that we were once not a people, but now we are the people of God. Right? There's no reason why this collection of people should ever get along. 
There's no reason why this collection of people should ever see one another as family. There's no reason why this collection of people should ever see one another as those that they would give their lives up for one another. But that is what Christ does. He unifies us so that we, we see ourselves as one. In the same way, a husband sees himself as one with his wife. So Christ is with the church and he then does that for us, that we, we, we see ourselves as a new people, a new family, that we're knit together in the, midst of, in the midst of a world that surrounds us and is hostile against us. We are knit together as one. And then he goes on this long tangential, it's not a tangential sentence, but this long run on Pauline type sentence that you're like, dude, Man, grammar, grammar, Paul. Grammar would be helpful, Paul. To reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Right? Doug Moo in his commentary on Colossians says this, that Paul is again here piling up words, right? I was having a conversation with two of my sons the other night. Conversation just about their lives. And they're looking at me like, Dad, an hour ago, we got what you were trying to say, Dad. Please, leave us alone. And it's like, yeah, but I don't think you really understand what I'm trying to say here, fellas. Because I'm, I'm trying to get you to understand some things about your lives. And you're saying, yeah. But you're not saying, yeah. You're saying, okay, Dad. But you're not saying, okay, Dad, now, now with that information, how do we do this, right? You're just, you're placating me. But you're not, you're not saying, all right, all right, Dad, now we can build with that, right? So Paul is, he, he's piling up words in order to hammer home the truth that Christ and Christ alone is the source of every conceivable bit of spiritual knowledge worth having. Listen again. He says this. To reach all the riches. Like all the riches. And here he is. He's not talking about coin. He's talking about true riches. All the riches of full assurance. Like you don't have to wonder or worry. You don't have to sit around and be concerned about whether or not God loves you or whether or not you're good enough, whether or not you're, you'll earn it, whether or not you could ever um, clean yourself off. Full assurance of understanding and the knowledge. Well, I'm not smart enough. You don't have to be smart enough. I'm here, like, I'm not smart enough. Like, look at me. If this stupid guy can, can, can come in, hello, he's in rocket science. The full assurance and understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. Well, it's mysterious. How are we going to understand a mystery? Well, we're going to understand the mystery. Why? Because it's Christ. And Christ came and he revealed the Father to us. And everything I need to know, God showed me in the person of Jesus Christ. Right? In whom, he goes on in verse 3, are hidden all the treasures in the wisdom and the knowledge, right? In, in, in Christianity, right, in following Jesus, right, we don't have this unknowable God. 
We don't have this, this idea where, where the God of the Bible is an unknowable God. He has fully revealed to us everything we need to know. That doesn't mean that there aren't still things about him that we won't find out about, right? When I get to heaven, there are things about him I will understand that I don't yet understand, but everything that I need to know about who God is and what God is like and what God desires and what God desires for me and of me and of us, he has revealed to us in Christ, right? And now he calls us to follow him. So Paul's concern for the Colossian believers is that they would know Christ, and he hammers this home, and he hammers it home. He hammers it home like an obnoxious father with his teenage son saying, yo, dude, I don't think you understand me. Let me say it again. And they look at him and say, okay, dad, right? That you would know Christ, know Christ, know Christ, right? And this is with a group of people, by the way, where he has only complimented them on their faith. (laughs) This isn't with a group of people that he's like, hey dudes, you don't understand anything, so let me explain it to you. This is with a group of people, he's like, man, when I heard of your faith, I rejoiced, (laughs) right? I was so excited to hear. But nonetheless, I'm gonna make sure that you understand everything that I hope that you would understand. Because this is too important, and I am not gonna take for granted that you understand this. He goes on, and he tells them why. Verse four, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. We live in a day and an age where everything's being rewritten, right? Everything under the sun is being rewritten. My my, my boys, they look at me and they're like, Dad, we get it. And it's like, no, you live in a culture that says boys are girls and girls are boys. Like, you don't get anything. And I love you enough to fight for you, to fight with you and to fight for you. Why? Because I don't want you to be deceived by plausible arguments, let alone implausible arguments, right? That are coming from every side in the culture that you live in that are coming and attacking everything we hold dear, right? And here, I'm not talking about politically. I don't care about that. I'm talking about everything we hold dear about who is Christ and what Christ is, what he's done, what he's doing, right? What God has revealed about himself, his desire for his people, right? I say this to you, that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I'm absent in the body, yet I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order, he says, and the firmness of your faith, to see your good order. Here he's not talking about their liturgy. He's not talking about the good order of their services, which some people would take and be like, oh, we've got to have orderly public worship. He's talking about the fact that when, when these plausible arguments come about, when attacks come, they're able to respond in such a way, right, that demonstrates like, man, they have thought these things 
through in an orderly manner, right? One of the companion books to this is his letter to the Ephesians where he says to them, to the Ephesian believers, right, that the purpose of leadership, right, in Ephesians chapter four, as he talks about these five types of leaders that, that Christ has given to the church so that, that God would see his people empowered or equipped, right, to, to do the works of ministry, that everyone would grow up into maturity, into Christ who is the head so that we wouldn't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but that we would be able to stand firm, mature, right? It's the same idea. So that when, when the world goes nuts because of a, of, a, of a pandemic and everything gets questioned, Christ's people They've already thought through these things because they've been in the scriptures and they've been thinking about like, what does, what does the scripture say about this? And what, what does God call his people to do in light of this? And they're able to respond. They don't react, they're able to respond in an orderly manner, in a way that's not chaotic. And there's a firmness in their faith. Their faith isn't called into question because they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is king, that he sits on a throne, that he rules over everything, and that he is coming again. Right? I don't want you to be deceived, he says, because I've, I've heard, I've heard how you've responded in the past, and I, and I want to commend that. But even though you've responded this way in the past, that doesn't mean that in the future, attack won't come that could cause you to topple, right? So I want you to know Christ. I don't want you to be deceived. And even though you are in good standing, here's what I want you to do, Colossian believers. He goes on in verses seven and eight. Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Like you've done really, really good. You've done really, really well. Now keep on going. Now walk in him. Like do not grow weary. And do not ever get to a point where you think, man, I got it. I have arrived. Right? It is time for the lounge chair and the, and, and the cup with the umbrella. Like, we have got this one. No, 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 no. No. Walk in him. This is an active command. Until the day he comes and takes you home, you are to actively walk in him. You are to actively pursue him. You are to actively grow in him. Here, look at what he says. Look at these words. Rooted, like you've got roots. Now, I'm no farmer, in case you have ever mistaken me for a farmer, right? I've never been able to grow anything successfully, right? But rooted, I got roots, right? When I read that, I think of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man, right? His roots grow deep. Why? Because of where he's planted by streams of living water, right? I'm rooted who am I rooted by? Who am I rooted in? I'm rooted in Christ. That's where my roots are. They run deep. They run deep, not because of Jordan. Get out of here! But because of Jesus. Your roots run deep. 
because Jesus has planted you. Where has he planted you? He's planted you in him. In him. He's planted you. Right? But continue to water the plant. Rooted and built up. Rooted and built up. Right? What am I rooted and built up in? Right? I'm rooted and built up in Jesus. I'm rooted and built up in the scriptures. I'm rooted and built up in the church. Right? I need all of the means of grace in order to continue to grow. Right? I need to continue. Right? In my relationship with Jesus. I need to continue in the, in the scriptures. I need to continue in a life of devotion and prayer. I need to continue in relation with God's people. Right? These are ways that I'm rooted and built up and rooted and built up and rooted and built up. Established in the faith, he says. Right? Just as you were taught. Right? I need to understand. Right? Not, uh, not, not have this just emotional experience. Oh, wow, Jesus saved me. Isn't that great? Yeah, it's great. But I also need to understand all of the implications of that in my life. Be established. Have a foundation. The teaching of the apostles and the prophets. Right? Paul says in Ephesians chapter uh, 2. Right? So that I, I, I can grow. So there's, there's some knowledge that, that helps here. And then he mentions so that, that I'm taught that. So there's a, a willingness to submit myself to the teaching of the scriptures and the teaching of doctrine. And then finally, there's, an, there's a heart attitude here to the gospel, a heart attitude to relationship to Christ, a heart attitude to relationship to God's people, a heart attitude to, to understanding this rootedness and this establishment. And it's a heart of thanksgiving, abounding in thanksgiving, right? Again, think about it. He wants, he wants God's people to know Christ, right? That, that's what they were created for, right? I was created to know God. I was created to be in relationship with God, right? Genesis chapter 1 tells me I was created to, to be in relationship with God. All of the scriptures tell me I'm created to be in relationship with God. Paul's desire is that these people be in relationship with God. And even though he's talking to what seems on the surface to be a healthy congregation, he's still imploring them, be in relationship with God through Christ. And yet, I'm concerned that at some point, and he's addressing, right, heresies that are coming from within the church. That's the purpose of this letter, right? Be careful, 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 be careful. And so his desire is that they would continue to dig down deep, right? Dig those roots down deep, be established. Allow Christ to continue to build them up. Be men and women who submit themselves to one another. Be men and women who submit themselves to the scriptures. Be men and women who submit themselves um, to sound teaching, be men and women who do all of this with a heart of thanksgiving. May we be those same men and women, right? Who are rooted, built up, who are established in our faith and who abound in thanksgiving.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you for your word and the way that it transforms us, transforms our minds, it transforms our hearts, it transforms our actions. May we be men and women whose minds are shaped by you, whose hearts are transformed by you, and whose actions are in kind shaped by that which you're doing, that which you've declared, and that which um, you desire. Father, if there are any in this room this morning who have yet to embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior, who've yet to um, confess their need to be reconciled to you through him, we pray that today would be the day of salvation and that you would bring them to a place of repentance and a place of, um, of uh, reconciliation with you. Um, we pray that not only here, but throughout this community. Um, and Father, we thank you for all that you're doing and all that you have done. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, as